Hey everybody, this is Micah and Josiah Keneally. And we are here to do the first ever. History is being made right now today, babe. Can you believe it? I can believe it. Can you believe it as a Life, listener? Right? Life is an adventure <laughs> and you're listening to one of either one of two podcasts in our ministry right now. That's right. It might be... Young Adults Today or... Which is all about reaching the next generation in our world today or it could be... FYI. For young individuals where we answer questions that college students and young adults are actually asking and we've not married the two podcasts together. They've been... Young Adults Today comes out on Monday each week, 180 episodes available. Um, FYI. FYI comes out on Fridays, and there's about 15, 20 available right now. But hey, today it's Wednesday at the recording list. We're meeting in the middle what? of two of our worlds. And maybe you don't know about the other side of our world, but here we go. We're going to try this. So if you're watching on YouTube, would you just type in which podcast you normally listen to? FYI. Young Adults Today, or is this your first time? Ooh. We're Josiah and Micah Keneally, and we're your hosts. And uh, we thought today's episode is one of the hottest trending topics. Mm -hmm. It's also one of the most challenging questions that young adults are asking. It's true. And that go there? is, we're going to unpack two questions. Is deconstruction helpful or is it harmful? Second question Ooh. is, what do I do if my friend is deconstructing? Okay, so, but I thought maybe where we could go today is, first of all, when, when you hear that word, it could mean a million things to a million different people. Right. So let's define deconstruction. And somebody else might have used these exact words. I just haven't heard them from somebody else. And as I've tried to understand this topic myself, as a leader, as a learner, this is the best De working definition that I've come across and it's this deconstruction is almost like a scale if you can picture a scale ranging maybe zero to a hundred or whatever and on one side mm. is doubts questions right and on the other extreme is denunciation of faith deconversion right mm -hmm. and deconstruction could be anything and everything in between on that scale it could be doubts questions it could also be denouncing, deconverting from the Christian faith to the point of a hashtag exvangelical. Mm -hmm. That's good. And um, I would just actually ask you this, babe. Oh, gosh. Okay. How... We are not professionals when I come to answer this question. I'll say that on my behalf right now. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try the best of my learning ability of what we right. put forth. Right. And so, so looking at that range and yes. knowing that there's extremes. Mm-hmm. Knowing that this is kind of a scale that could, it, the word could mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Right. Knowing all of that, do you believe that deconstruction is helpful or is it harmful? Ooh, wow. I think that's a great question to even ask us. I think it is somewhere in the middle because I think about the journey that anybody's on. So if they're on the side that you first described, which was, I just have questions, I have doubts, I have concerns, I have worries, I don't understand the Bible. What does that mean? Like, I think we've all been there, even as a believer, even as a pastor, we still have doubts, fears, and worries when it comes to 
faithfulness of trusting God. Is he faithful? Am I being fruitful? Like it's going through all these different questions. I think that's a healthy place to be, right? That's a healthy place to be. Yeah. And I think that's, that's okay. But when I think when you, if you enter any form of deconstruction, are you rebuilding in the process or are you going to demo the entire foundation of everything you've ever believed and go on, a, go on an adventure that like leads you to a, you know, a desert of wandering aimlessly. And if you're on that side and you start denouncing your faith and you start, you know, looking towards other things, that's when I would say there's a little warning sign there. You know what I mean? Like if you're on this quest to deconstruct, what are you replacing it with is the question, you know? So if I'm going to remove things brick by brick, layer by layer, you should really take into consideration I would if I were going to be on this quest, which I am not, obviously. But looking at each brick, I'm like, okay, prayer. Is prayer important? Can I trust God when it comes to X, Y, Z? Well, even if we look in the Word of God, even anything in the New Testament, everything that happens in the New Testament that they ever refer back to is almost like a precursor to what's going to happen. So even Jesus did that when he was looking at, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, even into Acts, we can kind of look and be like, oh, well, so-and-so said this in Isaiah. This came up here, here, and here. So there's always this cross-referencing. So I would say, is it harmful? Not necessarily to be on one, one, you know, one side of the doubts, fears, worries, concerns, questions, right? And you're mm-hmm. just wanting some things answered. Because I think everybody can be there, no matter yeah. how long you've been walking with God. And then on the other end, I think is like the warning sign of like, why you can start asking, why am I wanting to deconstruct, walk away? And let me say this. I heard this once and I think it was a perfect realization of the opportunity, I should say more as a Christian has to play in somebody's life. I heard this. There was these two gentlemen on a plane. One was a Christian. One was a non-Christian and they began talking and he had said, Christian said to the non-Christian, well, tell me, like, why don't you believe in God? And he's like, well, somebody owes me 15 bucks. And you know what? They were supposedly a Christian. And the the believer had said to him, he's like, well, I hope that you realize that it's very unfortunate that you're putting your faith and your destiny of spending an eternity with God in the hands of somebody who owes you $15. You know, so I think that that's an irrational example. But I mean, it was a true story that they were talking about this. Wow, like following Christ should be my decision, not, you know, this, I don't know, this disillusioned version of a $15 (laughs) debt that he felt the the Christian had to pay him or owed him. I'm not saying that that's not right or wrong, but what I'm saying is if I'm gonna put my salvation on the line for $15 or for a hurt from the church or an individual in the church who may have been in the wrong. We don't want to land there when it comes to deconstruction of this person. You, We would pray that you would go on the quest of, Lord, I'm going to read the word of God for 30 days. Mm-hmm. Show yourself to me. That's so that's just kind of where my head and heart go when you ask me that. So I, I don't it. know if you want me to go there. but I love it. And uh, I, I think what Andy Stanley says is pretty helpful and you were actually the one who showed me this topic he was doing a sermon series at north point about is christianity good mm-hmm. and it was asking god a question is different than questioning god right and pastor andy stanley said it best like asking god a question that's on the 
other end of the extreme right. of just doubts, just wrestling, question. There's strength and value in mm-hmm. wrestling, questioning. And then questioning God, you know what? Like that's that's maybe more on the side of, I would just say this. I would lean a little bit more because I've seen deconstruction actually really be harmful mm-hmm. and toxic. Mm-hmm. And And here's what I would even say. This is opinion, but I've seen that the things to look for, if you're somewhere on this scale, bitterness, mm. anger, resentment, and hate. But it won't really look like that. We're not, when we're emotional, we're not self-aware enough to say like, oh, I'm bitter right now. Some people are, but usually you're not going to say, oh, I'm... You know what I mean? Like, I think Who's it's really... offended you? Maybe yes, it's an offense, I think, right? I think it's really important to look like, how are your relationships? Because if there is a wake of destroyed relationships behind you, mm. something needs to change ahead of you if you want a different result. And so I, I'd say, like, if relationships Good. are destroyed or no longer having health or open lines of communication... And then here's what we want to do as a part of this. Um, So you answered that it could be helpful or harmful. I'd even go as far as to say that I've seen it be pretty harmful for some people that I love, by the Mm -hmm. way. And Mm -hmm. what we're going to do at this point is we're going to bring in some of our friends from previous episodes into this conversation that'll help us define deconstruction. The first is Pastor Daniel Fusco. He is uh, at an amazing life-giving church in Oregon. So I would just be willing to open up this next question for you. What are you seeing among the next generation from like 18 to 30 year olds in what we consider probably post-Christian, post-modern and unchurched parts of the country? What are you seeing in regards to that age demographic? Well, I mean, so I I guess the question would probably be like, in what portion of that demographic because obviously like i always tell people that when we're looking at culture there is like what is everyone across the board but then it's like what is going on in kids who are raised in the church mm-hmm. right and then there's what's going on in the kids who are raised outside of the church you know and so it, it, there are different things going on in different pockets pockets i think ultimately what we're seeing right now culturally and that's not only young adults is that we're seeing large-scale deconstruction and, and, and really what that is, is I actually don't think deconstruction is bad in like as a concept, because really what the younger generation is seeing is they're looking at the world and they're saying, this isn't good enough, which is a great thing. And, 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 and every generation, you go back to the 60s before the, you know, they, they were hippies before they were boomers. And they're like, yeah, this is not good enough. Like we could do better than this. And I think that that's a beautiful thing because you know, there's an idealism to being young and they're like, man, like I want my world to be better than this. And so they're looking at all these different areas, whether we're looking at race relations, whether we're looking at, you know, kind of the way wealth is distributed or things like immigration politics, they're saying, look, we, we should be doing better than this. And they're also part of becoming a young adult is defining yourself. And for most people, they define themselves differently from their parents. Mm-hmm. Sure. So it's like you have like the, and like, it's like teenage, like the teenage years, puberty is designed by God and by nature, really by God through nature for children to leave their parents and start new families. I mean, you know, that's what the Bible says. You'll leave your father and mother, you'll cleave to your wife and two will become one flesh. So it's like puberty is designed for 
people to mature so that they leave their family to start a new family. So, but you have that. And then they're also, you know, you have kids who are leaving their parents' faith. They're, uh, they're abandoning their parents' politics. And, and it is a normal step. And we call that all deconstruction, whether we're looking at how policing works, it's going on everywhere. So I think deconstruction is what is happening. And not all of it is bad, but some of it is completely destructive. So, and, and I think, so I always tell people that when we're talking about the younger generation, the younger generation wants a voice because they don't like what they're seeing and they're not content with the status quo. Beautiful. And so for me, it's like, how do we give the younger generation a voice into what's going on? Because this is going to like, they're not, I always say that the, the emerging generation is not the future. They're the present. Mm-hmm. It's just the people who think that they're the future don't realize that they're already here right. and they want to say in their world. That is some brilliant insight. I can't wait to digest that and also dive deeper <laughs> into that. Second, I think it'd be really fun to bring one of our favorite people on. That is so true. And this is Addison Bavir. Addison, welcome to the show and check out what he had to say. I feel like we're in a season where a lot of young people are deconstructing their faith. Wow. And so if, if we're not having the difficult conversations if we're not going there with people, they're going to go somewhere else because there are a lot of things in culture that are encouraging young people to deconstruct faith mm-hmm. and to build an entirely new construct that has nothing to do with the limitations that um, the faith of their childhood placed on them. Whatever, whatever that narrative is, right? A different narrative for different people. I just want to um, say, Addison, yeah. we are experiencing that. In like yeah. record numbers, droves of college students, young adults are are wrestling and deconstructing their faith. So yeah. I don't want to interrupt, just had to say that. No, no, and, and it's unprecedented. And I know people like to throw around that that word, but the truth is because we are the the young generations, the the first generations of what we would call the information age, we are inundated with information that encourages deconstruction in mm-hmm. a way that other generations just like they haven't been inundated with that kind of information the way we are. Mm-hmm. And anyone can be an authority on anything mm-hmm. these days. So it is yeah. it is quite the jungle to uh, to navigate. Wow. And so my my passion is I actually encourage deconstruction for the sake of reconstruction, because you can't, you can't live on someone else's faith into that adult season of faith. Like, yes, don't get me wrong. When you are a child, it is appropriate. We are in a sense dependent on our parents when we are children, but we are supposed to move through the seasons of development. We're supposed to move from dependence to independence to interdependence. I think a lot of people get stuck at independence independence, pushing away, pushing God away, pushing their parents away, um, pushing whatever represents their childhood or represents what they grew up with away. And for me, like I encourage people to deconstruct within scripture. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people within the progressive Christianity movement, their journey of deconstruction takes them away from scripture. Wow. And then they end up um, believing that there is no God. They end up agnostic. Um, or they move into universalism or pluralism or something like that. And so for me, I'm like, listen, let's help people deconstruct their faith. Like, let's be humble about the ways we've missed it um, as a church, as community. And that way people don't feel like it's an either or thing. Like they're, they feel like, okay, hey, these people are going to be willing to go into the nuance, into the shades with me. And that's where connection happens. That's where trust happens. I'll give you an example. I, um, I did a, 
a podcast where we talked a lot about same-sex attraction and gender dysphoria. And, you know, those are topics that people do not want to talk about because they're, they're just loaded. They're absolutely loaded. And um, I had a young man reach out to me um, through Instagram, actually, after the interview that I did. And he just said, hey, um, I, I grew up, grew up in, a ch- in the church and I've wanted to run away from, from church. I've wanted to reject all this. I was about ready to do it. But then I heard your talk and he's like, I, I just, can, I, can we please connect? Like, can we please connect? Like you shared things that I never thought of before. And I, I feel like I feel an awakening inside of me anyway. So I ended up connecting with this young man, navigating same-sex attraction, navigating gender dysphoria. And we built a relationship and, you know, it's the same. I hear the same story. I know y'all hear it because y'all are, y'all are mentoring young adults. I hear the same story again and again yeah. and again and again. And so we started going there. We started having those conversations. We I started explaining to him that everyone's sexuality is broken. Like that's one of the things like that he, he honestly thought like only people who are same sex attract attracted have a broken sexuality and i said no all of us have a sexuality that we have to surrender surrender to jesus every single one of us surrender to the work of the cross every single i said why do you think over 50 percent of pastors in america are looking at porn wow because they have not learned they think oh wait because i'm straight like i'm good no we all have a sexuality that has to be surrendered to the work of jesus and so just things like that and he actually texted me a few months ago and he was like hey i really want to date this guy, but I can hear your words in my head. Like that's not going to give me what I'm looking for. Like, I'm not going to find that in another man or another woman. And he's like, and it has caused me to dig deeper into the person of Jesus Christ as revealed by the spirit of Christ. And he's just celebrating like what God is doing in his life. And I mean, these are the conversations that young people are having. They really like, they don't need our Christianese. They don't need our pat answers. Like they need us to go into the nuance and into the shade. I was in a, um, I was at a youth conference, young adult conference a few weeks ago, and we were doing a panel. There are four speakers for the four sessions and the four speakers were doing a panel. And one of the panelists just kept giving like pat answers. And I, and I just stopped and I, I just asked them, I was like, what do you mean by this? <laughs> and I had so many people and I kept asking like, what do you mean by that? Like, because that's a loaded answer and that's going to mean something different to every single person in this room. Yeah. And I think transformation really does happen within the context of relationship. Yeah. And so we have to be willing to go there and not just hide behind our formulas or hide behind our sentiments and our platitudes. Like we got to go there with people and that requires us to venture into some dangerous territory. Well, we appreciate the fact that you're willing to have the difficult conversations with so many young adults that have not so many, almost every young adult has a question. And then um, before we bring on our last guest for this episode, I think there's an article written by Barnabas Piper that I think defines deconstruction pretty well. You could Google Barnabas Piper thoughts on deconstruction. You'll find it. Mm -hmm. We can link it in the show notes as well. Um, but the last person is our friend Dominic Doan. Dominic's been a pastor. He also is an author and he has been a missionary before, but he is um, somebody who's Oxford educated. I think it'd just be really fun to have come. Welcome back, Dominic. Typically, the way I've seen churches respond and, and faith communities respond to those who doubt uh, is 
is one of two ways, and neither one is good. I, I think probably the most prevalent is to demonize your doubt. And that is you come here, just put on the, the mask, the happy face and sing and take in the words, don't say anything that's gonna rock the boat and, and then leave. Um, and, and that kind of environment causes people to suppress their doubt. But gr doubt's greatest strength is actually secrecy. It's not until we drag it into the light that it can become healing and redemptive. Another response that we see is not so much to demonize doubt, but to idolize doubt. And in, in this polarity, you can see on one hand, more conservative churches, which tend to demonize, more liberal churches, which tend to idolize. And in that context, you're just told, hey, your doubts are true, right? And therefore you get certain theological streams that throw it all out. Well, we don't really need to believe the Bible. We don't really need to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, et cetera, et cetera. And so what I would argue is actually both polarities are wrong and unhealthy. A true response to doubt, and you mentioned it, I love that you said this word, is to wrestle with God and with others through our doubt. That's the key. And right. so as leaders, we need to ask the question, how do we foster an environment wherein people can wrestle, where people can be honest, where people know this is a safe space where I can get prayer, I can be honest about what I'm going through. I'm not going to be judged or shamed or sidelined and be instead welcomed. And when you think about it, that's how Jesus did his ministry. No one showed more mercy to the doubters than Jesus, whether it's Thomas, right? Or John the Baptist languishing in a prison cell. He's like, hey, are you the one? Or should we look for another? I mean, talk about, talk about doubt. He, he's like, I don't know if you're the Messiah. And this is the same guy that baptized Jesus, yep. that saw the spirit come on him, that heard the father say, this is my beloved son, in you I'm well pleased. And if he had doubts, chances are we will, will too. But Jesus, he, he didn't shame him or belittle him. Instead, the way he responded to John the Baptist's doubt was to say, hey, that's the greatest prophet that ever lived, right? So what if we had instead that kind of posture? showing mercy to the doubter, loving the doubter. Jesus on the mountain in Matthew chapter 28. I'm preaching now, sorry. But in Matthew 28, it says some worship, some doubt it, right? It's a great commission. Preachers love to teach on this. Go into the world, preach the gospel. We miss the part often where it says some worship, some doubt it. And he sent them both out. See, I would probably divide the worshiper from the doubter. I'd be like, okay, worshipers, you're sent out. <laughs> Doubters, go get more training or whatever. Um, ten, attend the course of Josiah. But Jesus, he's like, I'm sending y'all out. Go preach the gospel. Go share the good news. And they turn the world upside down. So there is space in our faith for those who say, I have strong faith, resolute faith. And those who say, I'm kind of struggling right now. And yet Jesus says, follow me, pursue me. I'll make you a fisherman. I'm going to send you out. I'm going to sculpt and form your faith in time to be where it should be. And then you've heard it from Dominic, but that from the top of this episode, we, we've unpacked number one, is deconstruction helpful or harmful? Mm -hmm. You don't have to take our word for it. Pray about it. Talk, wrestle with your pastors, with your community, and also just what have you seen? But the second thing that we would say that we want to uncover is this question, what do mm -hmm. I do if my friend is deconstructing? 
and I can kick it off and see where, okay. where maybe you have anything. I do believe that it's important to ask questions. And if you're questioning or have hard questions, they are wanted and welcome. Right. So if your friend's deconstructing, their experience is valid. Their quest for truth is incredible. And it's welcome in the kingdom of God and in the church. I think a myth is that God can't handle our questions. Or if he can, the church can't. Mm. Or my pastor mm -hmm. can't. Right. And so I think that's why a lot of people for generations have been pretty silent on questions. Is because they didn't know if they were welcome or wanted. But this podcast actually exists as a part of the reason to give space for questions. And so I think we can land on a couple of thoughts mm -hmm of what do we do if our friend is deconstructing? Well, I think we just look right at Romans right away. If we want to unpack this and just look at Romans 14, 1, it says, accept the one whose faith is weak. And that's just saying, I'm going to love them where they're at. I'm going to love them on whatever end of the scale they're wrestling with and on a self-discovery with the Lord. And I would say just be there for your friend. Be present. And I think the biggest thing is ignorance is not the best policy as a friend. Like we pretend mm. something that's not going on. We're unwilling to answer their questions. Or we try to arm wrestle them to believe what we believe. Wow. But when in reality, we should come alongside them and be like, you know what? I'm proud of you for even asking these questions and being willing to sit in this tension of wrestling through some of the things. And some of those things could be stem from hurts, hurdles, hangups, like we've talked about before when it comes to the church, when it comes to faith, when it comes to unmet expectations, maybe that we've placed on God that he's never actually agreed to. I know I can, I can relate to some of those things of, wow, I'm really disappointed. I'm 30. I'm not married. I don't have any kids yet. Lord, I thought I was going to be here. Yeah. But in reality, he never agreed to any of that. That was where my plans. So I think sometimes we have to ask ourselves or ask our friends, at what point did you feel disappointment with God? At mm -hmm. what point did you feel frustrated or hurt or whatever that is? And if you can not counsel them, but help them just uncover that question for themselves, they don't even answer you. But Take into consideration that you have a say in some of your friend's life, but you also have an opportunity to be praying for them behind the scenes. So just come alongside, praying for them when they're weak. Um, you can also be the person holding up their arms so they feel strong along with God. So that's the first verse would be Romans 14, 1. And the second one that we have right here is what, Josiah? And you've heard the second one from Dominic early on. Dominic, don't, but you can also, I'll just emphasize it because I think it's really key. Jude one twenty two. Jude's a short letter, one chapter, and in there is this golden piece of relational insight. Mm -hmm. And it says, be merciful to those who doubt. Be That's merciful good. for those to doubt. And if you've followed me for any length of time, you know that I love reading books. You know that I love listening to the podcasts, other ones. Um, I'm a lifelong learner. Right. And I had an experience where I was at a conference, shared a quote from a pastor about a few reasons why people might deconstruct their faith. It wasn't, you know, the end all be all exhaustive glossary of lists, but I, I shared that. And also, um, there were some people who were hurt by it and I was confused because it wasn't my quote. My heart for sharing the quote was to help people. And in the process, I think it, it just was a really good learning experience from mm, me. Right. For me. Right? And what I've realized is that there's a lot of people who've been hurt. There's a lot of people who've been hurt. And 
our role, whether they're hurt, questioning, doubting, be merciful to those mm-hmm. who doubt. And and I learned in that process that to some, that tweet, they said that came off tone deaf. To others, they thought it was hurtful. And that was not my intent. And yet that was their interpretation. So those are a few things we right. can look for is intent and interpretation. The other is Micah shared the story that I didn't know you were going to share mm. about on the airplane, the two individuals. Yeah. I heard a similar story about one friend who, or just a Christian and a non-believer, and they mm. were talking about faith. And he's like, dude, I know a Christian and he's horrible and he owes me money. Mm. And this guy who is the Christ follower said, I'm sorry, how much does my brother owe you? Let me make it right. He didn't know wow. the person, but if, if we follow Jesus, fellow believers are our brothers and sisters in Christ, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that's what it looks like to have the hands and feet of Jesus or Jesus with skin on. For those of us who follow Christ or are investigating Christ, we have the opportunity to be merciful. We, we went, that doesn't mean we can necessarily right the wrongs that have been done. Right. But we actually, some of retributive justice or mercy actually can be making the wrongs of this world right. Right. And my friends Hannah and Aaron Barnett, they've really championed that phrase with Generation Distinct to say, you know what, let's discover together what wrong God put you on this earth to make right. And so I think maybe so our takeaway, what do we do if our friend is deconstructing? Hey, maybe it's lending mercy and maybe it's lending our ear. Right. Maybe it's being generous with our time, our finances. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like sharing a meal or a cup of coffee, the things that friends do. Going to a game, hanging out together, talking on the phone, DMing, praying for each other. That's it right. could also be like you might come across somebody who's hurt and you might actually be able to bring some form of healing, just like that mm-hmm. gentleman did who said, hey, I don't know my brother, but he's my brother. And he made it wrong. How can I make it right? Right. Yeah. So I guess we're just going to leave you hanging in the tension of where do you stand on it? What do you believe? Um, What is God pressing upon your heart when it comes to that topic? Because these are things that are culturally happening right now. We want to be on top of those as best as we can. We want to team up with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit when it comes to just talking with you and just understanding that not everybody has the same story, right? So taking into consideration, even extending that mercy when somebody's wrestling is and can be very vital in their walk with the Lord. So just loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, knowing that Josiah and I, we do not have all of the answers, um, but someday all the answers will be given to us. And that is when we get to heaven and we will know the things that we don't know now because we're human, right? We can only know so much and only know so much is probably better than knowing everything while we're here. So anything else you want to add, Josiah? That's it. I think in the process of prayer, God's word, Mm -hmm. journaling your journey and community, those would be the things that praying through this process, that's how we know God Mm -hmm. is through prayer and also through his word. He's also designed us not to do this journey alone. You have this podcast community. You also, we pray that you'd find a local church yeah. as well as um, maybe a campus ministry or young adult ministry to be a part of. And so if you have follow-up questions, um, let us know your thoughts too, what your experiences have been. We'd love to see it in the comments or um, if, if 
you know someone and this would be helpful again, feel free to share it. And until next time, this is Josiah and Micah signing off.